All right, here we are. You are about to hear my galactic awakening session where my past life wound is unearthed. This is part two of my story, The Wound. I'd recommend going back and listening to part one first. You might be a little bit confused, but you can also start here. You'll be okay. So you heard me talk about where I was at in my life and in my business and how I was just ready to surrender and see where I was being led. That opened up a portal to my own healing. I consciously stepped into it and then my life would never be the same. So in our past lives, what I know now is that we carry a wound with us. If you believe what I believe, or you're open to it, it's that we're not here on earth by accident. We're here for a soul purpose. Soul as an S-O-U-L. Which is to get farther from experiencing ourself as separate from one another and from source and closer to experiencing ourselves as one and as divinity. Oftentimes our wound comes from another lifetime or even an archetypal wound. And this wound is what is keeping us feeling separate and suffering. And oftentimes it's directly correlated from a past life experience. Sometimes it's uh, from a current life. Um, But oftentimes, even if it is from a current life, it's something that we're playing out again that comes from a past life. Some of these wounds are very, very old. And until we heal them, we keep bumping into them. And so that led me to uncover my own past life wound, which manifested itself in this lifetime as emotional and physical suffering. So over the past two years or so, my health began to really decline. I was finally diagnosed with several complex chronic illnesses, most of which are poorly understood. And it got to a point where I couldn't stand most days for more than a few seconds or minutes if I was lucky. I had a condition called POTS. It's called a post—gosh, I'm going to butcher this—postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Which is a mouthful, but basically it means I'm allergic to gravity. So when I stand up, my body does not like that. So uh, I also had some other coexisting conditions that were all kind of related. And I just, I felt so encumbered by my body. It felt like a uh, a burden. I was very angry with it and resented it. For failing me. And so I decided that this was something that I wanted to explore in my own quantum hypnosis session. Because um, I've been doing these sessions for other people and it was going great, um, but I decided I better do one for myself because I wanted to know what other people were experience, experiencing so I could help guide them better. And so I did. And, um, you know, bonus points if it helped me in my own healing along the way. But I, I just, I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect, what was going to come out of this. That's how a lot of these sessions are, right? You don't know what you're going to get until you get it. And then it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's part of the fun of it. So what happened was I... I put myself out into this group that I'm in with other quantum healers and I asked if anybody wanted to uh, do a session for me 
because uh, it's common to swap sessions. And so somebody reached out to me and she said, hey, um, I feel like I'm being called to do this session for you. I'm, I feel drawn to you and that maybe we've known each other in a past life. So I was like, cool, <laughs> let's do it. Let's see what happens. My intention for this session, which is how this all works, is that when you broadcast the intention out, your higher self basically knows to pull pull the file related to the intention of what you need to see. And so what I had wanted to know was why I suffered so much emotionally and physically in this lifetime. And so what came out was not what I was bargaining for. I'll tell you that. Um, I, I knew to expect off-planet lives, right? Off-of-Earth lives. I'd encountered them myself. And it wasn't a big surprise. Uh, it wasn't outside of the realm of what I was comfortable with. At, at this point in my life, I was open to the idea of friendly aliens, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I didn't know that much about that world. Um, I just kind of knew, okay, here's the protocol. If you get somebody in a session and they're experiencing uh, life um, off of Earth, right? I, I was fairly neutral on the subject at this point. So the first clue that something weird was happening was that during the induction script, Jane, the hypnotist, um, she, she was prompting me to imagine myself in an open landscape. That's part of the, the script that we use. And so I saw myself out in a meadow and I was sitting in a chair. Of course, I was always sitting in chairs. <laughs> it's um, very normal for me. And so I saw this figure of myself. She, she looked at me. She stood up from this chair and she looked up. And at this point, there was a, a big a portal of light that appeared above her. So now usually when I'm guiding my clients through this portal, this is just part of the script. It's how um, part of how the magic works. Uh, they see it in front of them and they gently allow their light body to float f away from their physical body. They float into it. You know, it's this like, <laughs> I always imagined it as this beautiful, peaceful thing, um, gentle thing. <laughs> and But what happened with me was not that. Um, I like, <laughs> I watched myself um, she just yeah she looked at me and was just like fuck this and she <laughs> just like looked up and got beamed up into space and through this portal and um, I experienced this I became her and um, it was this extremely exhilarating sensation of being shot through space like it was like I was in a wormhole and I just like like <laughs> went I don't know if you <laughs> this this is what it reminds me of I don't know if anybody's gonna get this reference there's like a video uh have you ever seen those fish <laughs> With a video of the fish where um, they move a fish from like one river to another river by putting them into a tube and it like shoots them super fast out to the other side of the tube. Like it, that's, <laughs> I was like that fish. Like I just went for, for hundreds of millions of miles through space, like flying as fast as I could. And it was so much fun. And it just felt really good. It was very symbolic of leaving behind my clunky, slow <laughs> earth body. 
um, so that my spirit could have a chance to just feel free. So after my joy ride was over, I plopped onto the shore of my home planet. And so I will play the tape of what happens next. I'm, I'm on a beach and I'm, I'm looking out over the ocean, over the horizon. Does this place look familiar to you? It does. It's a, it's a place I've seen before in my in my mind or my dreams and where are you standing right now i'm standing i think i'm standing on the on the shore but i don't get a sense i'm having hard time getting a sense of who I am or what my body looks like but I can tell how I'm feeling how do you feel feel really sad. Do you know why you feel sad? Something's happened. I'm getting I'm getting images of, I don't think I'm on earth. I'm, I'm getting like images of something falling from the sky, like, like fire. Over the ocean. And I'm just watching. Do you feel a sense of danger? Or is this normal? It, it feels like it already happened. Something already happened. So that, that takes me back every time I hear it to all the grief that I felt during that session. It's a very emotional experience. So that was me witnessing the aftermath of an attack on my planet. So I ended up leaving the planet because there was nothing left for me there anymore. And now... Uh, I'll play the part where I realize what's happened. Did you know that this was going to happen on your planet? The thing that's coming to me to say is that I tr I tried to stop them. I tried to I tried I tried to I tried to tell everybody, and nobody would listen to me. I tried to tell them this would happen. Do I tried you, to warn them. Are you um, in a position um, that helps govern the planet? Yeah. Do you know what that position is? I'm not sure. 
but I I had some influence and and I tried to I just I tried to warn them. How did you know that this would happen to your planet? Because I see things that others don't. I understand things that others don't. I want to say that they were too trusting and it, it was a bad idea. And I was I was against it. And tried to convince them. I think I want to say it was some sort of deal or like peace treaty or something like with another race. And then this happened. So I had had nightmares about this attack my whole life. And they just never made it out of my subconscious as this concrete thing that could have possibly happened at some point. Uh, This all made things make sense for me in a way that they just couldn't have before. So next, I want to play the part where I ended up switching perspectives from being Monet talking about this experience to Monet as the being having the experience. There's a clear point where there's this big shift and I become him. Um, I have access to all this additional information, information about myself in this lifetime. I've thought a lot about this and, you know, I've done dozens and dozens of other sessions with other people. This is the only time where I've come across an instance like this, where the person having the session merges with the being during the session. And so my hypothesis is that I actually opened up a channel and was channeling this past life during this session. Um, To paraphrase the next part of the session, because it's very long, I ended up leaving, I take my craft, and I go visit my family uh, because I helped my family and some other families escape. So I go and rejoin them. How many, approximately how many survivors do you have at this point from your planet? I believe there may be others in other places who may have managed to get out. Here I see possibly possibly a hundred. These were people in my circle who knew who I was able to tell of what I thought would happen. And they were able to get out before there was, before it was too late, before the violence. I'm wondering if, because you have a big sense of responsibility, I'm wondering if you have a military background of some sort where you're with a, if you are, Uh, a part of um, some sort of federation on a galactic level? Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm not, I don't, I don't fight uh, in a militaristic way, but I, I'm part of the intelligence that communicates with other races in the universe. And I represent 
our people. And which, um, were you a part of a group or a, or can you give me a we're, name? Yeah, we're, we're, a, we're a federation for peace among among the inter intergalactic federation for peace and are you still able to communicate with anyone else within that federation yes i have let them know i have i have let them know that that some of us made it out safely okay. as the some of the others who were higher ranking like me among the Lyrians did not did not make it because they they decided to move forward with this plan and they stayed so I have to give huge props to Jane, the hypnotist on the other end, because I'm sure she was dying to get all this information out of me. And I thought she did a really good job of not leading me. She had a lot more knowledge of extraterrestrial information um, about, you know, federations and the different races and all that. And she did a really good job of letting me spontaneously come up with this stuff as opposed to feeding it to me. Uh, you may have caught me saying delirians uh, when I was talking about who I was. Now I I refer to them as Lyrans. Um, I think either way to pronounce it is correct. But that was the people who I represented. And were these cat-like humanoid people. And I didn't play the clip where I'm describing what I look like, but we're furry and we're really tall and look a lot like Earth humans. So I really appreciate the integrity of this session because I just kind of pulled all this stuff out of my ass <laughs> or technically out of my subconscious um, as this thing that actually happened. And it's... It's cool to to um, co corroborate a lot of the details after the fact based off of other information that's out there um, from people in the field. So it's super interesting. Uh, so now I talk about what happens next for me. Where do I go from here when you have no planet? I'm called to... I have other unfinished important things that I have to do. I have to, I have to travel back to our planet and see what has become of it and what we will do. I feel I feel there is a time of war coming up. I feel there are many of us who are still out there. There are some of us still on our planet and I have to go back and help those who are, who are, who are trapped and something has to be done. Are there any other? It's my responsibility, along with others, to 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 fix it. Are there any other benevolent beings that are able to assist in your planet during this time? Yes, I, I see the rest of the Federation for Peace is 
very unhappy with what's going on. And they want us to have our planet back and want to undo the wrong that is happening right now and help restore the balance and they will help us. We won't be alone, but it, but I'm not looking forward to it. I understand. But, but it has to be done. That must be difficult, leaving your family. It is, but they'll be safe. They're safe. There are more important things that need to happen to fix the, restore balance. That's so emotional to listen to. It, it feels just as real as when I experienced that. Uh, so now I get to hear what advice this version of myself my past self has for me, Monet, in this current life. And he helps tie it all together for me. Monet is very, um, has many medical ailments and physical ailments. And is there any connection with her ailments that are, that are, that has to do with her variant? roots she's so limited here and she hates that is there anything that we can do to ease any pain she's having emotionally and physically she needs to know that She's carried this tremendous guilt and heaviness from this other life into this life. And she always feels like she's not doing enough. And she is, she's always felt like the weight of the world is on her shoulders because she still feels like it is. She, she has to let go of the responsibility that she has just been carrying with her since she was born into this body because it happened then there's nothing she can do anymore she did everything she could and carrying carrying that guilt around is just harming her because she feels like she's not rooted here on earth. She feels like she feels like her family is far away and she's always being Hold toward them and it's that resistance that is causing her body to deteriorate are you able to confirm who her spirit team is her spirit guides her grandma just not her spirit guide, but it's 
is always watching her, guiding her. She has another guide who is somebody important. I can't, I can't say who it is, but it's somebody very important. Is it somebody very important to her or someone who's very important in this? Uh, is it a, an interdimensional being? Yes. Yes. There's no, it's not that it's a secret, it's that there's no name. Okay. Are there any Lyrian beings that, that she can connect with or is connecting with that she can feel closer to whenever she feels she misses home? That's her guide. Okay. She can connect with him and with those in her cosmic family here. Monet also wants to know if there, if there, why she feels too sensitive in this world. It's because she was born grieving. It's just because she feels responsible. And she's from her time as a Lyrian and she didn't really want to be here on earth. She volunteered for it, but she felt like there was unfinished business elsewhere. Or maybe that just haunted her. And through being here, she does she doesn't un she doesn't the the violence on this planet makes her very angry and it reminds her of the violence that happened in her on her planet and so it's kind of a shock for her soul for her for her in this human form to be a child and to see violence happening every day and not have any power over it. I see. And it was shocking to her. And are there any methods which you may suggest um, to help Monet ground into earth? It's funny because when the session first started, the first thing she imagined was zooming upwards and away from Earth and being weightless and free. Should keep using crystals and anything that connects her with nature it's been hard for her because of the weather where she lives and being intolerant of the heat in her body but the more she hmm, experiences the earth in the way it's meant to be experienced but she does need to move forward with the procedure that she's going to do that will help her immensely so that she can regain her mobility so that she can experience nature again. 
in a way where she won't feel like she's just too encumbered by her body. So at the time, I had been struggling to get diagnosis for a new slash old issue that had popped up. And I knew with my intuition what the problem was. I knew it was this whole, this it was a new diagnosis. Um, but I couldn't get any doctors who I consulted with to be on my team or to believe me. And so then out of the blue, the surgeon that I had been trying to work with, he called me and he said, uh, so why, why do you think you have PCS? Um, pelvic congestion syndrome is what it's called. It's a vascular compression issue. And uh, he listened to me. And by the end of the conversation, he said, I believe you. I think, I think you're right. And I would like to have you come in for this procedure. And we'll go in. And if it's in there, we'll fix it. And so there was no guarantee that he was going to find anything. Um, but I, I knew in my heart that I was right. Um, but it was something that I wanted to ask um, ask about in this session to make sure that I was on the right track because it was mostly just intuitive information. Um, and so this is this is what my past self said. He, he will, he understands her body better than most anybody and understands the reason why she's suffering so much. And He'll be able to undo the damage that has been done in this time that has been caused by all this resistance. Some of that, there's not, there's not a going back from it. She, this procedure will help her so that the things, everything else will begin to heal on its own once this major main thing is is attended to. Okay, that's great. I'm glad that she's going on the right path. She has good intuition about people. Oh, good. She won't need to be on all of her medications forever. A lot will be fixed when she has her procedure. And she will, she needs to, she's missing water. She needs to float. I find that so interesting because when I was younger, one of my outlets, you know, I wasn't athletic by any means, um, but one of my big outlets was the ocean. I loved swimming in the ocean. I actually uh, used to surf for many years. My dad is a big surfer, longboarder, and so... Um, I, I had I, I was good at balancing but struggled in carrying a board and doing the, kind of the more physical aspects of surf, surfing but I mean I can still pop up on a wave if somebody pushes me into it um which is kind of ironic since I my body doesn't like being vertical anyway I used to spend all my time in the water and that was from age five to maybe 10 or 11, 12, before my health got worse, interestingly. And that was my happy place growing up. I would just spend hours and hours. I was at the beach almost every day and would just 
swim in the water and that was the place where I just felt so good. I, I can see how that was because it was a place where I was able to take a break from the density of earth um, and, and literally go somewhere where I, I, I felt weightless. From a medical standpoint, I have uh, a condition called idiopathic intracranial hy- hypertension. Oh, these, it's so hard to say all these. IIH <laughs> uh, for short. So um, I have, I have pockets of pressure in my brain. And my cerebrospinal fluid does not drain well. And it is unknown why. And that it's been getting worse over time. My pressure's gotten higher. Um, and so it was interesting how my past self was guiding me to take a break from the pressure to relieve the pressure. And how that would be a big help for me. I still have a lot of experimenting to do in this department. So I will report back how that goes. And so this part, this will come back around. And how connecting to water ended up actually being a place where I would channel my future self. She used to feel very connected to the earth through water in the ocean. And now she no longer lives near the ocean. She needs to do what she can now. She needs to take baths and with salt and she needs to she needs to float she needs her body to feel weightless she needs a break from the dense energy of this planet that will help her intracranial pressure so here's something interesting um, i always had body image issues as a child I started dieting before I even turned 10. Um, I was overweight. I had really low self-esteem. And I had always kind of expected myself to be this tall, buxom woman. And um, that didn't really pan out. As far as what I I was expecting. Um, And there was a lot of resentment toward my body. I did a lot of work on healing my body image before I had children because I knew that I didn't want to hand that down to them. And so it was very interesting to hear my past self talk about this and how it was actually still an issue for me um, because my story in my head was that, oh yeah, I'd already done this work. (laughs) Even though Um, I knew in my heart of hearts that there was, um, I was still suffering around this. And so by bringing that out into the light, essentially he called me out. (laughs) And so I was able to go further in my healing and compassion for myself in that area as well, which I'll talk about later. She's never been pleased with her human form. She's never felt at home in it and has felt the need to alter it her whole life. And resisting, feeling like it should be different because 
not what she's used to. She was expecting to be statuesque and perfection, and she it's not what she got. And so she has to, she thinks she's done the work to love herself. And she needs to, once she feels more grounded in her body, it will help. She won't feel like she's trying to escape it so much. So there were all these ways in which I was resisting inhabiting my body. It was like one foot in and one foot out. And so that was a big turning point for me to understand that I wasn't grounded to earth because I wasn't grounded in my own body. Now, the very last thing I want to play is uh, I have a bit of wisdom about my cat that my past self uh, offers me. And there's a reason. This might sound kind of random, but this ends up being one of the most um, profound teachings in the end. Um, as she ends up being, my, my kitty cat ends up being how I'm able to... Um, finally accept myself deeply so I didn't understand at the time I didn't really understand what this information the the deeper significance of this information but here it is I just want to comment on under this couch is her cat one of her cats and how healing this particular cat is to Monet and to treasure this cat as there is a very, very special bond between the two of them that is uh, out of the ordinary. And this, this cat will help Monet to heal her heart and whenever she loves this cat and and showers this cat with love she's also receiving that back and it's it's healing her too and the way this cat came to her was not an accident and she needs to treasure and keep very special care and watch over her. It was funny to hear him say that because when I was looking to adopt a cat, I was actually looking to foster some kittens and was not intending on adopting a cat at all. And um, I didn't even know that there was a disabled cat that needed adopting and as I was going through the process the lady at the feral uh, cat rescue organization you know she went over my application with me and said I don't know why she felt compelled to say this but she said you know I think your family would be a really good candidate for a special needs cat <laughs> and and I I was like, okay, go on, because <laughs> I've always been the one to pick the cat that is the least likely to get adopted. I, um, I've always been a sucker like that. They, they're always the best cats in the end. Um, 
And so, yeah, I ended up adopting this cat who has uh, a brain disorder that causes her. She's a wobbly cat. She falls over and can't really jump and doesn't do typical things that cats do. And so, but she ended up being this wonderful, perfect cat for me and my family. And you'll hear how she helps me with my healing uh, later. For me, this just kind of confirmed, you know, I, I do not believe in coincidences, not one bit. And surely this was an example of one of those, um, you know, she, she's my soul, my soulmate in kitty form. So there you have it. That is my galactic awakening session that uncovered my past life wound. And the beauty of it is that now that it was able to be brought into the light, I could see it. And what it was, was it was this, that feeling of responsibility and guilt and heaviness and grief that I had brought with me from that lifetime that manifested itself into the physical and emotional problems in this lifetime, which caused me to feel ungrounded. And so I finally had the choice of whether I wanted to keep carrying that with me. This is what I want to hit home about this, um, is that without awareness, there is no choice. You have to see what's under the surface so that you can decide if you want to own that or not. So next up, I will be sharing with you part three which is the gates, where I'm offered opportunities to integrate what came up in my past life session and invitations to go deeper into healing through self-compassion and acceptance. As the universe gave me many opportunities to face all of the themes that came along with my wound, I also come across a telling of my own story from my past life session that paralleled the events that you heard in my session. Very interesting stuff. So I will see you then.